0: Welcome back to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel.
1: And I'm your smoldering, handsome, Ryan Gosling-esque host, Javier.
0: And uh, this week we are back with a normal review episode that we haven't kind of done one of those in a while. Uh, this, this one is actually a listener request, so uh, yes, we do actually take those and we will take those at times. So, uh, yeah, it, it, we're, this week we're talking about the 2011 movie, Drive, starring uh, Carrie Mulligan and Brian Gosling.
1: <clears throat> so I guess it's time for us to get, kind of get back in the swing. It's been a while since we've done a regular episode where we just talked about it. So I guess the way to go is what was your experience with this movie, Angel? Well when
0: this movie first came out obviously everybody was talking about it uh the star power attached to Ryan Gosling is 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 so that you'll like you know you will pay attention to something that he's in um I don't know how much of the films that he's in I, I really love <laughs> so to say so to say um I, I love him in Remember the Titans <laughs> he's a,
1: he's an actor I liked in that but I mean I feel like people a lot forget of- People forget he was in Remember the Titans.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, uh, he was a bit part. He wasn't even like he, he was. He wasn't even like one of the main cast members. But uh, yeah, he was in that film. Um, this isn't the, this isn't the first time we've actually discussed him because uh, <laughs> in an off way, this is the second time we're talking about Ryan Gosling because in the early days of the podcast, we reviewed The Conjuring, and uh, one of the songs that played in The Conjuring. Uh, when the paranormal investigators are setting up the cameras uh, around the house, there was a song called uh, In the Room Where You Sleep that was played by a band called Dead Man's Bones. And uh, that band is actually Brian Gosling's, right? <laughs> so he's, it's funny, he's, he's an interesting guy. Like, I mean, he hasn't done any horror films, so to say, but he loves, like, he is a fan of, like, older horror films and stuff, and I don't know, I feel like he picks some unique projects to attach himself to. Like, he's someone who will do the kind of, uh, you know, handsome, leading man roles, like, you know, know, romantic movies, like The Notebook, which everyone remembers, or then he'll turn around and he'll do something like this, right? So it's, it's not one or the other with him. And a lot of people forget that he actually got his start on the Mickey Mouse Club, along with Justin Timberlake, Britney Spears, and uh, and other people who are on that show.
1: It's really interesting, because uh, for a guy that, let's say he hasn't really been in too many like big-budget movies, those types of movies that really like grab an audience's attention um he's he's got a lot of depth and i think he's honestly one of the more underrated actors that we've seen in hollywood uh he's one of those guys that has no fear of playing like characters are outside of his wheelhouse like yeah you you usually you see him and he looks like okay he looks like a straight-up pretty boy you know uh, I made the joke to you last night that he's, like, Orange Cassidy, from the wrestler. <laughs> he's just the poor man's version of him. But, um, like, no, he just has, like, that California, Southern California pretty boy look, but then he shows he can play, like, a good old Southern boy, like he did, like you said, when he was in Remember the Titans. Um if you see him in Place Me on the Pines he looks he's he's a scumbag like he's really good at playing the scumbag in the nice guys he's like the lovable loser like he has a surprising amount of depth for being a guy that looks like he should be typecasted into one single role you know um and in this movie like you see him and it's not really anything he can really sink his teeth into but one thing that doesn't press me is that he how he is able to kind of uh, play a sociopath, really. Like, you know, and I'll talk more about it as we get into the movie. But I don't I don't know. You want to you want to say anything more about your experience or you want me to take over?
0: Well, my experience of this movie was uh, I watched it on demand once it was already like, you know, it, it had passed theaters. It had passed uh, initial release and. It was kind of like when we talked about 500 Days of Summer, right? It was a movie that a lot of my friends and contemporaries at the time were talking about how great it was, and it, took, it was one of those movies that I came around to kind of late. Um, but, you know, I, I definitely enjoyed it, uh, and I'll have to say once we get into it, I've got lots of thoughts, despite the fact that the film is, doesn't really have much of a plot.
1: Yeah, this isn't one of those movies that's gonna have an overcomplicated plot. I think when we actually do the dissection of the movie, uh, it won't definitely won't take that long, right? Um, but I guess my experience with the movie it actually starts in two thousand twelve, two thousand thirteen, going into into two thousand thirteen, and what I'm saying. Uh, so my experience with this movie actually starts in about two thousand twelve, two thousand thirteen, with a video game called Hotline Miami. So, Angel, you ever heard of Hotline Miami? you familiar with it at all? No. You
0: you already know how much of a gamer I am, and that's, like, the guy who's taken five years to play the PS4 Spider-Man game.
1: <laughs> and you know what's really funny is Hotline Miami is, like, uber-like. It was made by, like, this, like, guerrilla studio called, like, Devolver Digital. Like, it's super indie <laughs> Like this is when I like this is when I was at the height of like watching a lot of video game YouTubers on um online doing Let's Plays and shit, and they started playing this game called Hotline Miami, which draws a lot. And that was where I first experienced like, um apparently this movie this video game drew a lot from the movie Drive, and a lot of it was from the from the color scheme, the synth wave of the music that plays. Um, in that video game, you play this character that you don't know much about him. He just wears these masks and he goes into these, um, he goes into these, uh, like houses, buildings, and he just commits uber violence against these crime, like these crime guys that do all the big crimes in Miami. But he wears like a varsity jacket or he wears like this really cool jacket, like very unique looking. And it's just like a lot of pastel colors and neon colors. And I remember when I was watching a, 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 some folks do a Let's Play on this, I'm like, wow, this looks really fucking cool. And they were talking about how I was inspired by Drive. So I'm like, okay, well, now I want to check out the movie. Uh, at this point, it was on its first run in, in on uh, on Netflix. Eventually, Netflix lost the, uh, lost the rights, the streaming rights to it. I actually got the streaming rights, uh, I think, last year, like late last year. Um, so I was actually able to rewatch it you know locked the same way you know for this episode but yeah as soon as i saw it i was like oh shit this movie's fucking rad like <laughs> it's it really fucking cool and it, i don't know what it was that that drew me to it whether it was the aesthetic of the movie whether it was just like the the how different it was from other crime movies i'd seen like especially like it's it's no it's no secret how much of a fucking Tarantino fanboys we are right And it's, like, the way the criminals are in a Tarantino movie to the criminals in Drive, like, they are completely different characters. And it was just really interesting to see somebody that I was so not... You know, these these character archetypes that I was so not used to, like, you know, watching, right? Um, But, yeah, like, I guess my only other experience with the movie, fucking weirdest thing. I remember when I was at... When I was going to college, it was maybe my... This would probably be my junior year of college. I was, uh, I was, uh, leaving the bathroom, or I was, like, going into the bathroom, and there was this guy, small, like, Hispanic dude, and he was, like, fixing his hair, but he he's wearing this, like, leather jacket, like, a yellow jacket, pretty much Ryan Gosling's jacket in this movie with the scorpion on the back. Like, you know, it's a very noticeable, it's a different kind of jacket, right? And he's, like, fixing his hair and shit, and I, like, stare at the jacket. I was like, oh, shit, that's the jacket from Drive. So, you know, I go, I, I, I do my business, I go I wash my hands. I was like, hey, dude. And he goes, hey. I was like, that's a cool jacket. And he goes, yeah. And then he, like, pulls a toothpick out, puts it in his mouth, and then just walks away from me. And I'm like, all right, first of all, that guy's kind of a prick. Fuck him. <laughs> I think he really thinks he's Ryan Gosling.
0: It like, that does not honestly, sound like anything that ever happened in the real world.
1: It was. It is! I swear to fucking God, I didn't make that up! Like, this dude legit did that!
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, you know it was what? weird!
1: I'll... You it was fucking, say, it was a weird social interaction that like mirrors exactly what happens in this fucking movie. This man. movie is literally
0: the best Grand Theft Auto adaptation on the film that you probably could have had.
1: Uh, I, no, know that, fuck, I know oh, that I know that yeah yeah oh, I know oh, that
0: nearly two decades ago that when Grand Theft Auto Three was popular and Vice City came out that Rockstar was really trying to adapt it into a film property for a long time, right? And they just never really were able to do it. Um, I know that they've done, you know, shit like Need for Speed movies, and those are awful. And that one was awful, right? Um, But no, literally, like, from uh, from the music to the font on the credits... Like I felt like it, it's. I mean, it takes place in Los Angeles, but it just felt like I was watching cutscenes in some in some some of these scenes of like Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Like it really did, and I think even to um, even even from the point that you don't know what the main character's first name is, or you know what his name is at all. Uh, I swear to God, I. I I forgot that Ryan Gosling talked in this movie when I was when I was about to watch it for this podcast. I swear to Christ, I remember, uh, I remembered having seen this film, and Ryan Gosling had zero dialogue in it. So I was actually surprised when he started talking at some point. But it felt that well, Grand Theft Auto to me.
1: Well, he doesn't say anything of no. Like, he has no real personality in this movie, and that's what kind of, like, makes me believe Driver's supposed to be, like, a weird sociopath, you know?
0: Well, it, what, it's what makes me think that this movie is literally, like, our main character is the main character in a video game. Like, his job is to go around and do a series of missions until the story's over. Like, that is kind of what this feels like. He's He doesn't have much depth to him, I think specifically, if we're talking about a Grand Theft Auto game, this is Grand Theft Auto 3 to me. Because that game, like, you know, the character didn't speak, the character didn't have a name. It was just him going through a series of missions, and it was gripping, right? Like, I mean, that that game changed the way that we played video games in a lot of ways. Because now, everything from Arkham City, from Arkham Knight, to Spider-Man, to... Watchdogs, like everything, does that open world, you know, sandbox. I get into any car I want and do missions from it. Like that is a style that was popularized by that. And this movie really did feel like something that somebody who's played a lot of those games, like, this is how they would make a film.
1: I could have sworn in in. In GTA 3, the guy had a had a name. I don't know if he had a voice actor though.
0: He did not. He, he doesn't. No, have a he name. was. They, they... Yeah, he does. His name
1: is Claude. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a fucking stupid name. Well, I think I think in I think in a later
0: Grand Theft Auto they end up giving him a name, but outside of one of the characters calls him Fido, there really is no. There really is no name for them and it's just like in this one it's yeah. just a kid or the driver, right?
1: Yeah, the the wiki just calls him uh they just call him Claude. Um but yeah, he's he has no voice actor, so I think I think Tommy Versetti in Vice City's like the first person to have a uh to have a voice actor. Yeah. But it is really interesting you say that because this movie does draw on um on certain crime movies. I feel like I mean crime movies, crime video games, but I think like you said it draws more from like Liberty City having this silent type of character because Tommy Rossetti is a very big bombastic type of character. Well, he's you know? Ray Liotta, right? Like I mean, y- y- you can He's can't just Ray owning it up. Yeah, it's what well, that's what I'm
0: saying is like this is just a film. This literally does, like what makes it feel like a video game is it feels like you're more it, it's cuz the other thing that it does too is you know, we've seen Tarantino movies, and you love being around like all these shitty people that do shitty things all the time. And it's just like there's just kind of like this sick humor to it, right? And and, and they all have great dialogue, and and you're and you just like hanging around these people, even though you probably know that they're awful people to be around. One of the things yeah, that I yeah. that I appreciate about this is almost all the characters in this film are likable. Like there are no there are no strongly unlikable people. I, I like the driver, I like Irene, I like Brian Cranston's character Shannon, I like Oscar Isaac's character Standard. Like these these people are all people that you like enough that you want to see them, you know, get you wanna see them get away from their challenges and obstacles like unskilled.
1: I right? think uh I think you're looking at it with rose-colored glasses because Oscar Isaac we love we love Oscar Isaac in this podcast and this household <laughs> but he's kind of a dick in this movie <laughs> and I remember thinking that when I before I knew who Oscar Isaac was I remember watching this movie and being like wow that dude's kind of a piece of shit and then I uh I watched this movie yesterday and I was like oh wow that's Oscar Isaac wow Oscar Isaac's kind of a piece of shit <laughs> So I'm going to challenge that a little bit later but yeah it's a, it's you know let's just how about we just jump right in there eh
0: Just go for it
1: All right man well okay so this movie So Drive opens up with the driver if I remember correctly he is uh pretty much prepar- he was preparing for a heist Yeah uh he's on the phone and he Tells his folks, or he tells the the people that he's gonna be working with, that he's not a gunman. All he's doing is driving. That they're paying him for a five minute window. Anything he does, he, you know, he can't control anything that happens inside or, or you know outside of those five minutes. But within those five minutes, he's with them, right? Yeah. Um, what I
0: like about this too is that this, the idea that he is a kind of, you know, a criminal for hire that just takes down, I'll just say, takes down scores, to use the terminology, from one of my favorite movies of all time, which, you know, anytime I see crime movies in L.A., Heat, like, yeah. he, he everything is,
1: goes back to Heat. Like, he
0: is really a, a uh, kind of like, you know, you would, if this movie was made in the 90s, like, this character would be one of the characters that would be in uh, Robert De Niro's crew in that movie. <laughs>
1: And you know what's really interesting is it plays up that whole idea of, like, the best crew are just, like, random people who don't know each other, right? Like, you know, it's it reminds me of GTA V, going back to the whole video game thing, how whenever you plan heists, you have to hire gunmen, you have to hire hackers, you have to hire drivers, right? All people who don't necessarily know each other or have worked with each other. So, you know, right away it implies that he's good at one thing, and it's driving, and that's all he's going to do. That's all he wants to be paid for, right? Um, And, you know, he supplies his own car, which in this point happens to be the uh, silver Chevy Impala. uh, Most boring, average-looking car ever, but Shannon, being his his homie, is actually able to fix up the motor. uh, So that's supercharged and good to go for when he needs it. And then we get to see the actual heist. So the driver takes these two criminals uh, to a what looks like kind of a lockup, like a storage uh, area. Uh, these guys break in, and you know he puts his watch on the on the on the steering wheel so they can see exactly how much time they got. They get in, they get out. The whole time, what's really cool, the whole time, the, he has the police scanner going and he's listening to chatter, and he also has on the radio. The I think it's the Clippers game going at the same time, so he's listening to both. Eventually, these guys come running back, cutting it really close. And as they make their getaway, of course, the cops get tripped up, and these guys start uh, being chased by police from all around LA in a really cool, high-tense, t- like high t- uh high-tension uh, police chase. Where the driver is able to lose him, gets caught again. But it, what he's doing is he's actually buying time, so that he can drive back to the Staples Center right as the Clippers game ends. Drives in, ditches the two guys, and he's able to escape while pretty much in the in the in all, all the craziness of everyone trying to leave the uh, the arena all at the same time. So right off the bat I was like, that was fucking cool. That whole scene, that whole chase was fucking rad. Um you know, but on my second watch I was like, wait a minute, wouldn't cops think it's kind of weird that there's one guy leaving while everyone's actually trying to go to the I trying to go to the uh a,
0: <laughs> parking garage? Yeah, I think there's a lot of elements in this film that feel like not rooted in realism. There's there's there there's a lot of artistic fantasy i'd say like in the style that this is shot and in some of the some of the stuff just doesn't make any sense right like i mean just the fact it just
1: requires suspension of
0: disbelief You know, you have to suspend your disbelief for it otherwise it's like there's no reason why irene would be interested in this guy at all the guy barely talks he barely has much of a personality at all um and he seems like you said like he really does come off like a sociopath like who's very antisocial, and you know there's it's just it's bizarre so you really do have to suspend your disbelief and say oh well no he's really just this altruistic kind of uh anti-hero in some ways i don't know it's no
1: just... he's very much an anti-hero because it's not like he's necessarily a good guy but i mean he's also you know has a little bit of a conscience right um and, and then this takes us right into the, and you know what i want to talk about next is the fucking soundtrack in this movie uh because it plays the 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 title sequence with uh night call by kavinsky um the soundtrack in this movie for the most part is a lot of synthwave and like 80s inspired uh synthesizer music i don't know how much i mean i'm gonna pretend that you are a little bit <laughs> outside Side of your your niche here. How much I don't know. How much uh, synthwave you listen to, Angel? But you know, this is like one of the more popular dudes. Um, you know, and it's fucking fantastic. It just really sets the tone for what we're about to watch. About uh, because, like you were saying, it's very video gamey,
0: right? Yeah, like it has a lot of. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. About like
1: six years ago,
0: I think I was more into this kind of music, and you know, even rewatching it now, it's just three of the songs in this film like. Made it onto our uh, onto our do we like movies playlist that's on Apple Music, like it's just it's got good music to it, uh, and I definitely feel the style of it. It it does feel like to me, um, like you know I think I've talked about this series on Amazon Red Oaks before. Red Oaks is pretty, one of the things I like about it is that it's a show that takes place in the eighties. But while it kind of does you know allude to the fact that it takes place in the mid to late eighties. It's not like it doesn't do it in the Stranger Things style, where it like really calls attention to itself. In fact, mm-hmm. like a lot of the music that plays there, uh, that plays on that show, is actually more modern synthwave that just feels like it's something out of the eighties. And, I and like that's, that's what I get when I'm listening to the music in this in this film.
1: And it gives it kind of a time field of this film, because even though the, the the aesthetic is very 80s, but, you know, they still have, like, iPhones, and they still have very, like, it's very much grounded in, like, those early 2010s, right?
0: Oh, yeah, and then this, the fact that you're following a guy who's a stuntman, and you're seeing him drive through the cities of, through the city of Los Angeles, like, I was having... I, you know, like, I was having flashbacks, even though this movie came out way later, but, like, I was thinking Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in a lot of those scenes, yep. and it's just, like, it—it it, it, it is timeless. It, it's something that you could put it in 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 several different decades, and it would still make sense. It's that simple.
1: Why are stuntmen so fucking cool? Like, every time I've watched a movie where the stuntman is the main character, assigned from Death Proof, they've always been pretty rad.
0: And I would argue that I also even the villain in Death Proof is is really interesting to 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 get to know in that film. <laughs> oh
1: man! So um, the movie from here takes it takes a little bit, before it finally takes off. But um, for the next, say I don't know, maybe about twenty five minutes or so, we get introduced to the rest of the uh, rest of the cast, right? And there, this is actually very. Interesting, like, there's a lot of fucking, like, talented actors on this film, you know? Aside from, um, aside from Ryan Gosling, who we mentioned earlier, there's, like, Christina Hendricks is in it, fucking, like, we said, Oscar Isaac, Ron Perlman, Brian Cranston, like, there's a lot of big names that I was very surprised to see. Uh, Ron Perlman, I totally scene, forgot
0: right? that he was in this film. And it's, Same. Funny, it's funny, too, because, like, anything that I ever see Ron Perlman in, because I, I've never really watched, you know, uh, Hellboy. Like, I think I've, I watched it once when it first came out. But it's just, like, most of the stuff that I've ever seen him in, it's just, he's a villain in it. So every time I see him, I'm just prepared to hate him, <laughs> no
1: matter what. I know. And that's, uh, that's exactly what happens here, you know? Like, um... And pretty much like the gist of what happens next is that um Shannon wants to Shannon who is the driver's uh friend, confidant, and employer who um, uh, you know, uh I think the driver aside from being a stunt driver, also works at Shannon's mechanic shop, um, who also moonlights as like like works as a stunt driver. Uh like Shannon really wants to try to try to set him up so that they can retire. So what Shannon wants to do is he wants to buy a stock car. Then the driver is going to be his main driver, and he's going to take him on a racing circuit. And pretty much, the idea is that they go pro, and this guy becomes a professional racer. Right? Uh, Shannon, in order to do so, actually has to employ the help of two Jewish mobsters by the names of Bernie Rose and Nino. Nino, I think if I remember correctly, Nino is played by Ron Perlman. That's and Bernie Rose is played by Albert Brooks. He looks familiar. I don't know what else I've seen him in. But um, essentially, these uh, these two guys are running rackets all over L.A. Um, They essentially lend uh, lend Shannon $300,000 so that he can finally buy the stock car, which they're going to fix out. The entire time, the driver uh, actually meets one of his neighbors by the name of Irene. Before we get and, too far into
0: it, but even though you may may or may not have uh, seen Albert Brooks in a uh, in a film before, you've definitely heard his voice.
1: Why? Whose voice does he do?
0: Oh, you're going to love this. Albert Brooks is the voice of hank scorpio from the simpsons
1: (laughs) shut the fuck up are you serious
0: yeah
1: no wonder it sounds familiar yeah it's
0: just as soon as i heard the voice i was like god damn i was like i I swear to god because it's just he's been in like i mean i've seen broadcast news and i've seen some of the stuff that he's in but i was like no i was like there's something about him that is just so familiar and i can't Fucking place, my. You know, he's also he's also in Finding Nemo, right? So he, it's his voice. His voice is That's super. Right. His voice is Marvin. super. Yeah, his his voice is like super recognizable, and but it's just like. I just don't remember a lot of stuff he was in like in terms of mm-hmm. a movie but his voice I've heard it so many times
1: Damn I don't want to be a dick but he's kind of a more memorable voice actor than a regular actor because yeah I now that you mention it I hear the voice you know that's Hank Scorpio that's Marlin from fucking oh that's awesome oh wow that's really fucked up now <laughs> seen as all the terrible things he does in this movie <laughs> So, all while, um, you know, so that's one of the. One well, of the to movie be fair, Hank Scorpio
0: were... is a supervillain,
1: <laughs> but he was a lovable supervillain. He was like Lex Luthor without being a dick or capitalist. So, well, you know, that's one of the one of the movie threads. the The main movie thread we're following here, though, is the driver's burgeoning relationship with Irene. Uh, a neighbor of his who has this, you know, adorable little brown boy by the name of Benicio. And, you know, that he, you know, you, you can tell right away that she is, you know, I wouldn't say single, but at the very least not seeing anybody. Um, I don't know how well, obvious clearly
0: that is, <laughs> but I mean...
1: But I don't sure. know because they, she immediately starts spending a lot of time with him.
0: Oh yeah, no, she clearly has a thing for his character immediately, and you know, but I think one of the things I do appreciate about it is that the film—I mean, sure, it revolves around their romance in many ways, but there's nothing, there's nothing particularly romantic about it. It really does feel like a, like a friendship more
1: than anything <laughs> it it's weird because I disagree I do feel there is something romantic of it but it's never anything that really like crosses a boundary at least before standard comes in you know um afterward maybe but at least before before uh before he's introduced it's never anything that's really considered disrespectful um and in this point you know, the driver like really like this friendship really starts taking off. It's very will they won't they. And he really fills in this um this, you know, male uh positive male role model for uh Benicio, you know, like he he, he takes them for like Sunday drives in his Malibu. You know, he watches cartoons with the kid, like he spends time with them. Um but yeah, he the entire every time that Irene and the driver have any sort of conversation. It's super fucking awkward. They don't talk too much. He, he keeps it very short, which I learned was actually done on purpose. One of the things I read about in this film is that they like um was that Ryan Gosling and I forgot Irene's actress's name, you'll know. It's What's Carrie, name?
0: Carrie Mulligan.
1: Carrie Mulligan. So Ryan Gosling and Carrie Mulligan really wanted their relationship to feel as awkward as possible. So while they that's why like on purpose they would say as little as possible to each other and like that opening those opening like interactions between the characters, right? And just when you think, oh hey, you know, this is this can be a nice burgeoning romance, in comes everyone's favorite bad boy, Bo Dameron himself. <laughs> Fucking Oscar Isaac. And Oscar Isaac
0: doing the like role that literally every Hispanic actor has to do at some point in their career, and that everyone. Is like, it, no, I, I feel like I feel like particularly this is something where Black and Hispanic actors, there's always that early role that they have where they play a criminal, <laughs> like that is just mm-hmm. it is
1: without fail that you're gonna get that. some you know, some people, like that dude that plays Hector in fucking Fast and the Furious, turn it in their entire career, and I applaud them for being able to do that and get that money, but god, it's so fucking frustrating to see when actors, like, good fucking actors, actors of color, have to always do this role, you know? And it's funny, because I'm actually starting um, I'm starting uh, uh, what's it called? Um, The Wire. And Idris Elba plays, like, the 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 criminal lawyer in in the wire and I'm like fuck even him like god damn it <laughs> like no like you said no one can possibly escape having to be that fucking typecasted character right <laughs> um, <laughs> and
0: it's just it's, you know I mean it's just uh, yeah it, it's funny I totally forgot that he was in this and and I I was like surprised and it's funny because you even told me you saw the movie two days before I did and you were like. You mentioned Oscar Isaac, and I was like, Oscar oh, Isaac is in this, and I was like, I was like, what the fuck did he play? This movie, it's so funny. I should bring that up now. I, <laughs> this is, movie is literally one of the movies that, that I misremembered the most. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: I agree. This is <laughs> Mandela Effect, the movie. Oh my god! I
0: swear to God, like I was I, before we watch this. Let me let me tell you the plot summary of this movie before I actually watched it for this podcast. Ryan Gosling was a uh, character who didn't speak at all, who was some, for some reason, you know, Carrie Mulligan was in love with him. Um, There was a male character that that she was with, a husband, and the husband is killed by the mobsters. Um, The mobsters somehow end up coming back into the end of the film because I remember the pizzeria like but the way i remember this you misremembered this movie so 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 much i remembered that there was like actual scenes more than just the one scene where uh where rose like sees him as the driver like in on different tracks i remember there being an actual race at some point (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. <laughs> At the end of the movie I, I remembered him Actually going into the pizza shop And shooting Nino <laughs> Are you fucking serious I'm not kidding I swear to you I was so shocked By the end of this movie I was like God damn I like I got this movie Mixed up with like three or four Different films <laughs> <laughs>
1: the ending you described is pretty much the ending to the Sopranos. <laughs> yeah,
0: no kidding. Like it's just it's so weird how that happened that I it was one of the reasons why I was like, Yeah yeah, yeah drive, drive. I was like, let's go ahead and watch that. When we were like trying to figure out a movie to watch for this week and we were going through all like the listener uh, requests that <laughs> came and I brought that up. I was like, Yeah 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 that movie and that was the movie I was thinking about when I agreed to watch this and that was not the movie I got.
1: I'm not going to lie, the movie you thought kind of sucked. <laughs> like, that sounds very predictable. <laughs> I, where did the race come from? I don't know. I think, Is it because you I saw swear, Too, 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 too Fast, Too Furious
0: like fast two nights and ago? The Furious movie and The Sopranos. Like, I think you're right.
1: <laughs> uh, oh, I want to watch that movie. I want to watch The Sopranos and the Fast and the Furious movie oh my god all right so income standard right so the night standard comes back uh they throw a party irene and invites a bunch of people over they throw a party in the apartment he has really heartfelt moment where he where he uh where he talks about like the importance of getting second chances and you don't always get a second chance right and when irene um She steps outside of the party. She talks to the driver. And then they have a confrontation between Driver and Standard. Where, and it's so weird because, like, he's, like, Standard's trying really hard to be that dickish character. To be like, oh, oh, what, you out here talking to my woman? Oh, you talking to my lady over here? And it's just like. I don't even think he said it. No, he, I don't, it, 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 yes, he, he definitely is
0: threatened by this guy's presence. But I was shocked with how, like. How he could have been much more of a dickish and unlikable character, but even then, it's like, he, like you can tell that he obviously doesn't like the fact that this guy's been hanging around. And he goes, "Look, benicia has mm-hmm. been saying that you've been hanging around. and He's really gotten to know you lately because you've been around the house a lot." But then after that, he and Benicia go outside, and he goes, he goes, he goes, "All right, Benicia, let's go. Let's let mommy talk to her friend." It was like a that, little
1: bit more con. No, 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 no. It was a little bit more condescending. Watch like it that. again. It like, Go ahead, watch it again. Why don't you and let then, mommy talk to her friend? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. no, and and but like it was more.
1: It was more. But if like, he was, was but a, if he was was
0: a, a highly, no, but if he was a character that you were not meant to like, I think he would have been. It would have been more resistance to it, and I think he would have not wanted to spend time around him at all. I think that this movie does a good job at making him a a really likable character,
1: you know? I think he, you're very biased because of how much you love Oscar Isaac. <laughs> maybe.
0: Maybe because I I've seen him as for the last, like, five years, maybe I do have, like, a soft spot for him. But I'm not kidding. Like, when I watch this film, he does not feel like a villain to me at all. I have a he doesn't that... feel like a foil for him at all, either. Like, he, I he feel like... feels like... <sighs> he literally uh, feels like a guy who... You do feel bad for him because he owes all this money coming out of prison. You know how difficult it is for people who are coming out of prison to, like, you know, try to stay out and, and from going back in. Uh, Driver is much more of a hero because he does want to, like, step in and get this guy freed from the life, so to speak, right? And I think it's just... It, it, it's, I, I think... That I'm right about this. Like th- th- <laughs> I, I, I'm right about this. He is a likable character.
1: Honestly, I love your opinion, but I want to tell you you're full <laughs> of bullshit, and I'm right. <laughs> honestly, Oscar Isaac could fucking punt a baby seal like to death, and you would still be like, "Oh, I love him." <laughs> you liar. I honestly do believe that, but whatevs. What fucking abs. You know so, what, whatever. We understand. haven't disagreed on something in a long
0: time on this show, and this is it. I will highly disagree with you, and you can enjoy... What do you mean? We you disagree can enjoy your...
1: Jaws! You can... You fucking love Jaws, and I hate Jaws. He's so nasty.
0: Enjoy enjoy more fucking wrong opinions about how you think Oscar Isaac is a dickish character. When I actually he think is
1: that. a dickish character! The moment that fucking Driver tries to be nice and helpful, he's like, What are you going to do? Are you going to beat him up
0: for me? And
1: then, like, Driver... Well, what like, the fuck do you doing? think he's supposed to say?
0: Honestly... What do you want him to say? Do you really want him to just be like... That's why! Right.
1: That, and that is why I'm making the point that he's
0: unlikable! <laughs> he is very likable because you understand the fact that he feels... You have a lot of understanding for the fact that he he feels threatened by this guy who's kind of stepping in and filling in a father figure role for his kid. And he's filling in like a lover role for his wife. Like,
1: it's it's... It, it,
0: He's, oh, I thought they were just friends, Angel.
1: Well, you no. literally just said they he were friends. He is
0: understandably uncomfortable with the situation, and, and I don't—I I don't think there's anything wrong with how he feels about that. To be honest,
1: <laughs> that's what I have to say. You know what, we'll just have to agree to disagree here with how wrong you are and your stupid wrongness. But anyway, you alluded to it earlier. Coming out of prison, standard owed a shit ton of money to a bunch of Albanians? Albanian dudes um, who proceed to beat the fuck out of him because he owes them money. Um, Driver ends up taking him. Oh, and this all happens in uh, in front of his kid, Benny. So, Driver takes Benny and Standard upstairs, you know, gives him a chance, gives Standard a chance to kind of recover, like, uh, you know, put bandages, cover himself up, and that's when he talks to him, finds out that he owes the Albanians money, and that they were essentially threatening Irene and Benicio. So, at this point, Driver agree, or, you know, he offers his services to help Standard be able to rob a pawn shop in the valley where they're going to steal an undisclosed amount of money from this pawn shop. Uh, and, you know, he's going to help them out. So the entire time they're planning, they're setting things up. And this is where I agree, where, you you know, you see Standard kind of turn the corner, and he really does view uh, Driver as, like, a nice guy, and they actually kind of start... Because they, they, they have uh, similar interests, which at the end of the day, they both care about Benicio and Irene. They want to take care of them, right? So they both know they're willing to risk their safety and freedom to help these two have an uh, have a better life. So that's kind of like the the uh, the the begrudging respect they have for each other. Um, and the day comes, uh, the 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 gangster, his name is Cook. He offers, ah, oh crap. He offers um, Christina Hendricks to help them out. I think her name's like Maureen. Oh no, Blanche. Sorry. So he offers Blanche to go help him um driver steals a mustang uh, from somewhere in LA and they drive up to the valley right so same rules um driver isn't gonna hold a gun uh Standard's gonna do the heavy lifting Blanche is on lookout so Blanche and uh standard go into the pawn shop a couple minutes later Blanche comes out with the with the with a big bag of money um Before Blanche comes out, driver sees another car come into the parking lot, kind of waiting for him. Uh, And he notices the car. He keeps an eye on it. As Standard exits the pawn shop and he's ready to get into the getaway car, the pawn shop owner comes out with a shotgun and ends up blasting at uh, Standard, killing him. Uh, causing blanche and driver to to escape so as soon as they drive out they get chased by the other car uh car chase ensues through the valley really cool chase um really get to see some really cool stunt driving which ends with uh driver forcing uh the car that's chasing them to flip and crash uh crash into like a uh what's it called um I think in, like, a tractor trailer or something like that. But anyway, uh, Blanche and Driver end up hiding out in a motel. And it's during this time that, um, you know, Driver tries to get in contact with Irene and Benicio and finds out that the cops are talking to her. And by watching the news, uh, Driver finds out that... Uh, that Sandra was killed. Um, but... Not only not only that, the pawn shop owner didn't make any mention of Blanche and that he mentioned that Standard did not get away with anything. So this really puts uh, Driver on edge and he attacks Blanche to. And this is where you start seeing that sociopath. You know, you see that 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 in that violence that's ready to come out, uh, come out from Driver where he attacks her and starts like slapping her until she tells him uh, what's going on. He stole a million from the East who had put money in the pawn shop. Um, and the other we're going to jump out the money and kill anyone that would have been a liability. Um, at this point, Blanche goes into the bathroom and we get this crazy violent scene where Blanche gets, uh, you know, Blanche goes in the bathroom. She gets her head blown off by a dude with a shotgun. Oh, and then fucking
0: scalped. Like it is like, something out of a out of like a exploitation movie from the seventies.
1: Like the violence. This is where the violence gets Tarantino esque.
0: Like, <laughs> like it's fucking Tarantino-esque crazy. in like how you know in in the fact that you're watching the squibs and the pools of blood everywhere. But I'd say that. In terms of just this shot, of this like, gunshot that just blows her brains out, that feels more like a Savini, Tom Savini kind of uh, special effects shot. Uh, if you ever get a chance to watch the original Maniac, there is a scene in Maniac uh, that is reminiscent of this for me, and that's what I thought about when I saw it.
1: And, like, the, the you know... Because we were we were talking about Tarantino and how much he uses L.A. as a backdrop and how crime is kind or crime movies are kind of his thing too, um, you know the the violence in Tarantino movies can be very comedic at times. And this one, it's not like actually it's kind of humbling to see when some bad shit happens to people. <laughs> like I don't know why the violence in this movie is very like oh wow that guy really just instantly turned to meat like as you see that. <laughs> And that's what happens. You know, Christina Hendricks gets her head blown off. Um, you know, fucking, uh, you know, the driver ends up fighting the guy with the shotgun, ends up stabbing him with, like, a, a shower pole, and then he ends up uh, using the shotgun to kill the other guy breaking in through the front. Like, a lot of violence takes off, like, a fucking freight train. So at this point, um, driver goes back to, you know, he goes back to Shannon, They call a doctor who ends up, is able to help driver get himself patched up. Um, And Shannon, you know, offers to hide the money for the driver. The driver refuses. He said he's going to handle it himself. Um, He goes down to a strip club to find Cook and just proceeds to, like, fucking beat the shit out of him (laughs) with, like, a claw hammer. And then, like he threatens to, like he makes him like swallow a bullet, right? Like the yeah. bullet he left it's for Benicio. Pretty, I was, like, it's pretty brutal. It was, pre- I was like, holy fucking shit! This pretty boy is a badass. So pretty much, but it's like you see all those violent impulses start to come up, right? But yeah, uh and again, well, another
0: part where it's like you just have to suspend your disbelief is, you know, if you watch Pulp Fiction, there is an entire section of that film. Where they are trying to cover up the fact that they're covered in blood from the gunshot of somebody in their car. And you oh, know, fuck. And I just shot Marvin
1: in the face.
0: And the character in this film is like driving around Los Angeles for days in a bloody jacket without like raising any eyebrows.
1: Uh yeah, so he ends up He ends up attacking Cook. Cook uh has one of the strippers called Nino. And he, and and uh what's it called? Um driver tells him he has the money and he's willing to give it back for an even trade. So that, that way there's no there's no issue, right? Um however Nino kind of dismisses the offer, tells Driver that he doesn't trust him and he's going to or no, he doesn't tell the driver, sorry, but like you know, they set up this meeting and before uh he can make good on the make good on the trade. Uh Nino ends up sending a hitman after after uh after the driver. So the driver goes back to his apartment where he talks to Irene and I think I believe he offer this is where the scene where he offers her the money, right?
0: Yes, <laughs> yes he does and she slaps him.
1: Because he, he tries to, he, you know, he tells her that he was there the day that Standard was killed. Um, and that, you know, he apologizes and that he wished that he could have done more for him. And he offers her the money and that maybe... And he says, um, you know, you can go wherever you want. Maybe I can go with you. And, you know, Irene is kind of in shock. The They're, they're arguing in front of the elevator and this guy... Is uh, chilling in the elevator. He says, oh, I'm sorry, wrong floor. So they both get on the elevator. And there's this slow-mo scene where driver, like, he peeps the gun in the guy's uh, coat pocket or in, like, you know, under the guy's jacket. He turns around and kisses Irene passionately. Then turns back around, you know, pushes Irene out of the way. And like punches the guy and like takes the gun <laughs> away from him yep. and then proceeds to stomp his face until his brains come out of his ears. Yes. All the while Irene watches like in disbelief and horror and you see like it's very it's very Ted Bundy where it, you the see- relationship is over at that point.
0: And, uh, it's, it's like, even though she does kind of like search for him at the end of the film, I think it is a, the fact that the elevator closes on, on him while, while he's inside of it and she and, and the driver never see each other again. I think this is a pretty clear indication that this is it. This is where it
1: ends. Ooh, (laughs) symbolism. (laughs) But it's it's very it's very Ted Bundy esque where it's like you see him first. It's like you can tell he's like he's hitting this guy because he feels like he needs to protect himself and her, right? And eventually, you start hearing him grunting, and it's like you hear like that rage, right? And it's just like to assert, you see the mask drop, and you realize this guy likes violence, whether you want to admit it or whether he wants to admit it or not. Like deep down, underneath like all there is is awkward silence and fucking murder like there's not much going on in his head um he ends up confronting after that scene he ends up confronting um shannon because he finds out that shannon gave nino his uh address and that's how nino um and that's how Nino knew uh, where to send the hitman, right? So at this point, things take off like a freight train. Nino and... Ah, uh, crap. What's his name again? Nino and Bernie, they resolve resolved to, you know, after figuring out that they can be traced back to the robbery at, from the bomb shop, they want to tie up loose ends, so they try to kill... Uh, they end up killing Cook, uh, the Albanian gangster... Uh, Bernie ends up going to kill, uh, he kills uh, Shannon, uh, murders him,
0: and... I feel like we really haven't talked about Shannon enough either in this review. (laughs) And I think he's a character who deserves a bit more of a spotlight because he is very much the likable loser, you know, wannabe... Mob guy who like just does nothing but get embarrassed all the time, and and I, I mean
1: he's pretty much there to show Driver what could happen if he fucks up, right? Right. Because like you find out that he had his 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 hip or his pelvis broken by a couple of wise guys because uh, I think he owed somebody like money, uh, and he and they keep him around. They're still cool with Shannon, like Bernie and Nino are still cool with Shannon. They fuck around with him. But it's it's uh, it's always like oh remember who fucked you up sort of thing.
0: Yeah, and and I'll say the relationship that he and uh, that the driver and Shannon have really does actually remind me of the relationship that Johnny Depp's character uh, has with uh, Al Pacino and Donnie Brasco. Uh, mm-hmm. Al Pacino, who had you know long played Michael Corleone, who was like the King of all mobsters and the guy who ran the biggest mob empire. I think what's shocking when you watch Donnie Brasco is that he's actually playing like a very, very low-level mob guy, and uh, it's just like he's he, he's someone who's who seems like he's stupid, right? In a lot of ways, and and uh, and gets his guy in trouble more than more than he would because he just. Isn't smart enough to be you know to be much higher in the operation but this it's just like but the fact that their relationship is like so you know they, they have a they have a a respect towards each each other and uh trust in each other that that is definitely interesting.
1: Yeah, because it's not, like you said, it's not really, like... There's some times where it feels like it's paternal, like, you know, father and son relationship. Um, it definitely feels like it's more of a, that type of relationship for Shannon to the driver than it is for driver to Shannon. Um, but, yeah, like, it, it's one of those where it's, like, a mentor-mentee, father-son. Like, it, it, it transcends a lot of different tropes, you see. Um, because, you know, at a certain point, like, when the, once the mask drops and... And uh Driver goes into survival mode, like he snaps on Shan and it's just like, you know, fucking figure it out for yourself. Like, you know, like when once he confronts him about giving up his address to Nino and the Hitman, um, he's just like, get out of town. Like I'm not like he doesn't care enough about him to make sure he's safe, but he cares about him enough to make sure he gets out of town. (laughs) So what ends up happening is that Bernie confronts uh, Shannon to try to find out where the driver is. Shannon ends up killing him. Um, Oh, and you find out why Nino hates the East Coast mob, and it's because they keep treating him like, because they they talk shit about him for being Jewish. Um, That's kind of like his whole motivation (laughs) as to why even bankrolling the the entire heist and stealing the money from the mob.
0: Yeah, and Nino is, when we talk about the stupid member of the team, Nino is very much, I think Rose admits that Nino's the stupid member of the operation because he can't get his head out of his own ass, and he's kind of the guy who gets them into so much big trouble in the first place because, you know, Rose actually doesn't really want to have to kill the people that he's going to kill. Uh, he He really just he wanted d- to, you know, he actually wanted to finance this strange race endeavor that uh, Shannon has with the driver. and uh, But what I do like about this part of the film is that you discover, you know, that Rose, for a soft-spoken and old, he's like the soft-spoken older guy, and he seems really nice, and you think Nino is kind of like the muscle guy. It, it's funny how Rose actually ends up being the guy who's very who's very much the butcher out of the two.
1: Rose is the one that's about that life because he immediately murders Cook... By stabbing him with a fucking fork and then slitting his throat. Like, he he kills, uh, he kills Shannon by, like, slitting his fucking, like, forearm open so that he bleeds out quick. Like, he has no qualms about violence and getting involved in violence, you know?
0: Yeah, I was shocked by the supreme, like, lack of guns, like, in the, in the, uh... You know, ending in of the this climax. Film. Yeah. It really, it really is impressive. Like, especially since we, the way I remembered this film was that there was a gunfight with fireworks.
1: <laughs> you remembered a thirty-minute shootout. <laughs> I
0: swear to God, if I could show you, like, if I could just put on screen like the amount of like shit that was in my brain <laughs> that I thought was I wanna the to make... this
1: film. <laughs> Can we make a fan-made... Like, can we bankroll a fan-made version of Drive directed by <laughs> <laughs> I'll play Ryan Gosling. Alright, we've gone too far. <laughs> oh, so that's where we went too far. Oh my god, so... The driver ends up uh, following Nino... Uh, from (laughs) the pizzeria where they have strippers. (laughs) So I guess he brings in a bunch of whores, a bunch of ladies of the night to come to the strip club to service Nino and the boys. I love strippers
0: with pizza. I love strippers. I love pizza. Strippers and pizza, this is the best party ever.
1: The worst part is it's not even, like, a classy Italian restaurant. It's a fucking, like, strip mall pizzeria. Run <laughs> by
0: so Jewish, Jewish, Jewish guys.
1: Looking. Run! Oh, yeah, I, I forgot about that line. Since so when do Jews know anything about Italian food? <laughs> oh, God. So, um... So, what's his name? Uh Nino ends up escaping... Or, not escaping, sorry. He ends up driving away with his driver. Um... Fucking the driver wearing this creepy looking mask that he wore while, like a latex mask that he wore while he was a stuntman ends up following Nino on the Pacific Coast Highway, crashing into him and like essentially running their car off the road, smashing it uh, off onto the beach. Nino gets out of the wreckage and gets chased by the driver into the ocean where he proceeds to drown him like in high tide. So that morning, uh, Nino, I'm sorry, not Nino, uh, Bernie, Bernie and the driver, uh, you know, they set up for one last meeting. They meet up at this Chinese restaurant where uh, they agree driver will give him the money if, uh, you know, Bernie makes sure to to leave Benicio and Irene alone. No harm comes to them. Bernie tells him, I can't guarantee the same thing for you you will live a life where you will constantly be li- uh, you know, looking over your shoulder and you'll never know true peace. The driver is willing to take that on. He takes him outside. And I love the way they cut this scenes where they intersperse the action with their conversation because it's like, as he tells him that, um, driver pops open the trunk, shows him the bag full of money, and that's when uh, Bernie stabs him. He pulls out like a switchblade and ends up stabbing him. Um... And then it cuts back to them talking again, and then it cuts back to the action where Driver ends up actually, like, pulls the knife out of himself and then stabs Bernie until he kills him, and then uh, he gets in the car and just starts driving. Uh, at this point they start playing that song real human being <laughs> oh, uh, yeah.
0: and then and then my ending to this film that i remember oh my god after, oh my god at the end of this film i swear to god i thought that the driver irene and benicio like all drive away together to that song as the credits <laughs> rolled
1: you thought they were on a motorcycle with two sidecars <laughs> <laughs> my god oh so they end up you know uh irene goes to his apartment tries to find the driver uh driver doesn't answer the door and it's shown that he's driving on on a highway you know o- to the horizon his his uh fate being left ultimately unknown uh credits roll and that's the end of driver that's the end so. of Driver. <laughs> Oh, drive! <laughs> I mean, for all intents and purposes, the end of Driver 2. Sure, yeah, I
0: guess you know. Except in I mean, like, guess... my sequel, we just, we just picture <laughs> him on a motorcycle <laughs> with Irene and Benicio inside cars.
1: He has a flying motorcycle.
0: <laughs> it just turns into like a later day fast sequel.
1: So instead of drive, it becomes ride.
0: Except <laughs> he's like a helicopter pilot.
1: Fly. <laughs> you can make an entire series about that shit. You could be drive, fly, ride, swim.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, though, <no>, anyway.
1: <laughs> well,. Before we talk about whether we like this movie, what do you think ultimately happened? Like because that that's the thing about this film and ultimately um it played with the trope I really like which is un like kind of like uh, ambiguous endings. Like what do you think happened to the driver?
0: Um only because the the ending that I remember was him actually <laughs>
1: leaving
0: <laughs> with with Irene Benicio that is my ending. My ending is that that he eventually goes to get him and they like all leave together. I'm not kidding.
1: My my ending is that literally, like, five minutes into his drive, he 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 takes a nosedive off a ravine (laughs) and it explodes as it crashes to the ground. What? Because he was bleeding a lot. Yeah, no, it's
0: it's totally plausible that he just, like, bleeds to death and probably just, like, stops in LA traffic.
1: (laughs) Hey, get out of the way! I'm trying to get to my LA job! (laughs)
0: but uh all right well i guess here we are uh javi do you like drive
1: yeah yeah i actually i I really do enjoy it i think it's a uh it's definitely a slow burn like if you're watching the movie for the first time it's gonna take a while before it picks up it's definitely not for someone that was expecting a big bang bang fuck off movie (laughs) This is very much a slow burn, and it takes a while to get there. Um, a big thing about this movie is just taking it all in as you watch it. Whether it's the aesthetic, whether it's the story, whether it's, like, the, the performances. Because I think that's the big thing. is like, the performances are really fucking solid. I think even though there's not much to this script, what these people are given, they do a really fucking good job with. Um... Overall, it's a fantastic movie. It's not a movie I can see uh, myself watching too often, but yeah, I definitely liked it. Yeah. So I, what I, about you? I would
0: agree. I definitely uh, enjoyed watching this again. I it, it was I had an interesting experience because it actually very much felt like it felt like just watching a movie again for the first time in a lot of ways because this movie played out way different than i remembered it and to be honest i i appreciated the fact that it does play out the way it does uh it's it's less sensational than i
1: remember (laughs) so
0: so i appreciate that of it
1: (laughs) you remember a very gaudy like disgusting action (laughs) film i literally
0: remember like the trailer to a crazy video game
1: You remember, like, fucking Drive Hard with fucking uh, Nicholas <laughs> Cage fighting a demon, Gary Sinise. No, not Gary Sinise. I forgot who. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I,
0: <laughs> I, I definitely appreciated watching it. Uh, I definitely enjoyed uh, Ryan Gosling's performance in this. I ended up, I didn't realize how much I actually liked all the characters. And I appreciated seeing Oscar Isaac in a pre-Star Wars role.
1: Want to know something very interesting? We almost didn't have Ryan Gosling as the main man in this movie. Oh shit! It all it was really close to being Hugh Jackman. Ew! <laughs> Did you just say ew? Yeah, I don't know if I could do
0: Hugh Jackman. He seems too old for this. This definitely feels like something that like an older guy would be prime for. It I just, see that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, I mean, like it's,
1: it's perfect for a no name actor. Or yeah, Ryan, I, I, think, <laughs> I think I think well, no,
0: I think I definitely would have appreciated. Like, I feel like it could have been someone who we didn't know at all. Uh, I feel mm-hmm. like they're, 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 that would have been fine. But you know, the fact that it is Ryan Gosling, I definitely like that. It. It's just I, it's funny because Ryan Gosling is someone who I remember kind of having a very different career than he has. Like, I feel like I've seen him in so many things, and the truth is, I haven't really seen him in a ton of stuff. Um, he's made a lot of good movies, but some of the stuff like uh La La Land which is probably one of his better like known roles at this point like I haven't seen it yet so it's you know it this it, is weird but I definitely like that the we got the casting that we did for this
1: Also another fun fact about uh Ryan Gosling he will not be in Drive 2 because he doesn't do sequels So Drive 2 is all you and me we can make it whatever you want it to be But what about Blade
0: Runner? He was in the sequel to that
1: yeah, but not a sequel that he was in, the like, the, the previous film, is what uh, I mean.
0: Whatever. I, you know, I no mean, thing, baby nothing, Ryan
1: Gosling wasn't in Blade Runner. You know
0: what? Nothing is more obnoxious than, than like, guys, do sequels. Shut the fuck up. Shut up.
1: Okay? I don't
0: care. I don't care. You don't, remember have, to be, when I, remember, you don't have to Remember that when... Remember when Diesel was, was like, it. I
1: don't do sequels?
0: People. Yeah, and then he needed money, and he came back and did lots of sequels. And then he did nine fucking...
1: Fast and the Furious movies. Well, technically eight because he wasn't Fast and Furious two. I'm sorry, too fast, too furious. Oh man! So I think that about wraps it up. You got anything else you want to? Anything else you want to say about Drive? Nope, I def- <laughs> or your version of driving.
0: Nope, I definitely don't. Uh, uh, thanks for everybody for joining us for this episode. Thank you for continuing to follow the podcast. Uh, thank you for enjoying the last episode that we did. Uh, we got some pretty good traffic. It is our number one downloaded episode, so I definitely appreciate that. Uh, please continue to interact with us on social media. You can see now that we do take requests, at, 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 and we'll be able to catch up with them, especially as
1: there's no movies
0: in theaters in the very near future. So, <laughs> so there's... yeah.
1: So don't worry guys, we'll get down to the I'm slowly wearing angel. Down. <laughs> um,
0: but yeah, continue to interact as social media. Please leave us, uh, reviews on iTunes. If you can, like that would be very helpful to getting our names out there even more. Uh, but you know, until next time, thanks uh, for joining us and we hope you come back to listen to us next week.
1: Yeah, check us out. We love you guys. Bye,
0: turds!